Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Nicole Hannah-Jones, creator of the 1619 Project from the New York Times Magazine. The project makes a case that you don't often hear in history textbooks, that slavery was foundational to America. So it wasn't surprising that we ignited a fierce debate among historians about these issues. But that's the power of the New York Times— to spark an important dialogue with bold, rigorous reporting that forces us to examine our assumptions. To learn more, go to nytimes.com slash worth it. My experience in the world is a, it's a Black experience. Uh, it's the only community that I can really identify with. Um, mm. And I always grew up um, with with the very clear notion, oh, I'm I'm a black girl, and that is how I'm perceived. Hi, this is Amanda Stenberg, and you're listening to Wannabe Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Wannabe Podcast. I'm your host, Imri. Catch a brand new 30-minute episode every Wednesday this month. The Wannabe Podcast is back for a Black History Month special, and I'm going to be sharing the stories of phenomenal black women who are almost certainly making history with their work. Oh my God, I'm screaming inside about this week's guest. My darling, I got to sit down with Amanda Stenberg, who played Rue in The Hunger Games. She made the incredible viral video on cultural appropriation and is also the lead actress in When Hands Touch, which is directed by former guest Emma Asanto. And that's just a few of her credits. And she's only 20 years old. I got to enjoy her light, her honesty and all of her charming wisdom. As you may have already seen, Amanda is the lead in the new The Hate You Give movie based on the Angie Thomas novel by the same name. And it's out right now and I cannot recommend it enough. So Amanda and I got chatting about lots of things that might interest you. We talked about activism, self-care and how she protected herself from the backlash she faced for not being black enough to play star in The Hate You Give. After reading a bunch of articles about how much Amanda's teenage life mirrored Star's, I was curious to know how she played a character like Star when they had so many overlapping experiences. You mentioned in previous interviews that you have a lot of similarities to Star's character. Mm. And I just wanted to know what practices you put in place to make sure that you didn't kind of internalize some of the pain and the trauma that she was dealing with um, in the film. Honestly, I did internalize some of the pain and the trauma. Um, it was hard to put those practices into place uh, mm. just because these are real events. So that was really challenging. Um, but I was surrounded by a really fantastic community of people on set. And they taught me some tools and tricks that helped me get through it, um, which was just, you know, not necessarily um, expressing or emoting um, from a place that uh, is internal and personal, but rather separating it into the character and then letting it go and kind of letting it pass once we were done. How do you let that go, though? Like, do you just go home? You're like, I'm Amanda now. And then you just like have a <laughs> dance party. Like, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, I got home and I just like settled back into being myself and relaxing and dancing and breathing and yeah. living, you know. Um, yeah, I just let it go. Also, we had a lot of fun on set. It was a really beautiful atmosphere. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't actually that heavy. Um, and of course, there were moments that were heavy when we were filming, but the there was a lot of camaraderie and like a sense of community and family and we were always joking around regina hall was there so yeah she's so funny you can imagine <laughs> what it was like <laughs> just constant cracking of jokes yeah um that's that sounds really nice actually watching the film was so much for me i was so unprepared for just how relentless the pain was. Mm, um, yeah. And that was kind of the thing that stood out to me the most. It was just like, it just never seemed to end at all. And right. I was like, please, God, just give me a break. But I guess right. that kind of mirrored reality in many ways that it just felt it relentless, relentless for a period of time. It's yeah. been interesting because uh, I've watched it a few times now with audience members and they crack up at any moment that is, you know, humorous mm -hmm. or comedic. Like, almost like in an over-the-top way. And I was trying to figure it out because we didn't ever anticipate that people would have those sorts of responses. But I think they're having them because they really need to laugh yes. like in the midst of what is happening in the narrative. Yeah, no, I agree. I definitely felt like I was laughing and then I was like, but so much trauma. <laughs> so um. much. The moment that you laugh, something else happens. Yeah, it's it's challenging. But hopefully, hopefully you're able to feel like we're also able to release some emotions for sure definitely that was a good job on george's part as well yeah. um so you've been quite intentional about the roles you play um i've met emma sante in your in like her new movie when hands yeah. as well mm -hmm. um so i guess what were the three that what are the three things that you look for in this script that made you just say yes i'm going to do this role this is for me what what is it what is it about this one uh, well i actually read uh the book first mm -hmm. so i read the unpublished manuscript of the book it was uh it was owned by my agency and oh, nice. it was already being potentially optioned uh to be to be turned into a film because there was so much buzz around the book before it even came out there were bidding wars mm. people were losing losing it over it um and so i got my hands on the manuscript and i was just blown away by the story by angie's writing mm. um by the truth and authenticity in her writing and um, the way in which she was able to portray Black experience with all of its emotions, you know, all of the pain, but also all of the joy, mm. um, you know, all of the persecution, and but, but it's not in an over-politicized way or an impersonal way. It's so deeply personal and just written so directly from the heart so yeah that really got me yeah. <laughs> I was crying I I uh I started reading it on my phone when because I got it like, oh wow pdf and, <laughs> and I was like oh, I'm gonna read the first couple pages check it out real quick and then like four hours later I was done with it yeah <laughs> I read the entire thing on my phone couldn't put it down oh my gosh um it is so, an incredible yeah, book it's it's beautiful yeah. Angie's phenomenal she's just life goals she's just like yeah. the happiest bubbliest friendliest person I've ever oh met. my god she's, she's the just best. Yeah. honestly just a ball of light i yeah. can't imagine working with her because it would just be so much fun all the time i'd imagine yeah um but yeah no her writing is just incredible and she has done a phenomenal job of capturing i guess an era that feels i guess iconic but 
Right. Also just, it's so palpable that something is coming, a big change is coming. And she's, right. you, and you captured that on screen, obviously. Um, and you did a phenomenal job. I was like, oh my God, look at her. She's grown up from like Rue. Oh. Um, <laughs> like, I was so pleased. I was like crying and like oh. just all in my feelings from, from you on screen. So you guys did a phenomenal job, honestly. Thank you. Um, I guess... You faced a little bit of backlash because even though you are very intentional about the roles you choose to play, and I think you've done, you, I can't pick anyone else p- playing star, to be honest. But how have you been protecting your mental space with all the criticism you faced about you not being black enough um, to a degree uh, for, for this role? Yeah, that was, that was a hard, that's a hard one. Because, <laughs> mm. you know, my experience in the world is a, it's a black experience. Uh, it's the only community that I can really identify with. Um, mm. And I always grew up um, with with the, the very clear notion, oh, I'm, I'm a black girl and that is how I'm perceived. And I also grew up in spaces that were white a lot of the time because like, um, you know, you were saying I had really parallel experiences to star. So mm. I grew up in a black neighborhood, but I went to a school across town that was primarily white and affluent. And within that space, they can't distinguish color. <laughs> They're just like, you're black. Yeah. Um, so that was always my experience growing up. Um, and I never really had my blackness questioned. It wasn't something I ever thought about um, until the past couple of years um, mm-hmm. because of that criticism, but because, you know, there seems to be, and I don't know if I'm alone in my perception of this, but there seems to be further divisiveness across the board. Mm-hmm. Um especially in America because of the current administration we're living underneath. And so it seems like even within communities that I'm a part of, we're kind of, you know, really, really critical of each other. Um, And that's not just the black community. It's also like the gay community, you know? Yeah. Um, And I, and so I've kind of noticed that kind of palpable shift. And I guess the way in, in which I protected myself from it was just, by recognizing that it's not personal, yeah. you know, um, and that it's coming from a place of pain at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, and so it was kind of important for me to recognize that pain as something that um, really had nothing to do with me, but was important for me to um, be conscious of and, and to validate. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I talked to my mom about it. My mom is a dark-skinned woman. Yeah. You know, and my mom, I mean, she, of course, she's biased because she's my mom. But yeah. <laughs> my mom just told me to stand in my intention and my truth and, and you know, validated me in saying, um, I understand that, I understand you, I understand who you are, I understand where your heart is, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. not everyone else has to also. Yeah. Um, so I kind of had that learning. Uh and I also had to, you know, recognize some privilege for sure and kind of confront some privilege and, and like really actively think about the way in which my privilege af- affords me a certain level of accessibility that other people don't. But I also, at the same time, while recognizing that privilege can't, can't be apologetic in the way that I walk about the world. You know, I can't be sorry for being born the color that I'm born, yeah. you know? Um, and I don't think anyone really wants that from you either. <laughs> right. So, yeah. 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 Exactly. No yeah. one else wants that. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 I have a lot of thoughts about it, but 
um at the end of the day all I can do is you know like my mom said is just stand in my intention and my truth and also actively think about the fact that people don't actually know me yeah (laughs) (laughs) they don't they feel like they know me for sure um but you know I have a public facing self and a personal yeah life and they're separate things at the end of the day that makes sense protect yourself man by any means necessary (laughs) Do you think that there's a safe form of activism? I mean, in the film, there are a lot of themes of stepping into your voice and you're really young and there's real, very real dangers for doing that for Star anyway. And I mean, it's her life on the line and that of her family's. So for any young people watching this and they're like, I want to speak up, I want to be an activist. Do you think there's a safe way for them to do that or is it always going to be risky? I don't think activism has ever been safe, Mm. you know. Um, I don't know if there is a safe way to do it. I think you're always going to be, if if you're not sacrificing or risking your physical safety, your your mental space can definitely, you know, be put on the line. Mm. Um, But I think community building, interpersonal work is so important in the midst of activism Sometimes I feel like we forget to do that, which is why like podcasts like this are so awesome. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> because, you know, we get so caught up in the goal and the end point that sometimes we forget that like activism can also exist by the way in which you treat your friends, um, the way in which you're emotionally supportive of them and mm. feeding each other and giving each other the gas to keep going. Um I'm I'm super, super about interpersonal activism right now. <laughs> that sounds great, actually. That sounds like something I can get behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel like, you know, especially as marginalized people, you know, it, that is such a revolutionary thing is to actually feed each other and, and like help each other move through things and like allow each other the room and the space to process and heal. Yeah. I guess there was kind of, I guess the glaring part of the film is that Star didn't have that from her friends in the right. white school. Yeah. Um, I'm calling it the white school, Lord. <laughs> the white school. <laughs> I haven't got other words for it, so I'm going to stick with it. But um, I guess many of us, if, especially people of color or anyone from marginalized groups can relate to being like the only one in a space and being so acutely hyper aware yeah. of our differences and how we're perceived in those spaces. Right. And I guess even for me, when I was in, I guess what would be an all white space when Mike Brown happened, everyone was just so like unbothered and I was just like so deeply affected. Um, Just thinking about it now, I was like, wow. Um, But Star hides herself. She kind of shrinks into herself and it becomes like very internalized. What what would you advise people do in that situation? Because I'm sure it's not the end of some stuff happening which is unfortunate to say but a lot of us are going to be still seeing some really traumatic things and being the only one in spaces so instead of hiding it away what what would you advise I mean yeah I think everyone can everyone takes it at their own pace you know like when I was in high school I didn't feel comfortable speaking up against microaggressions within my own community at school that made me feel uncomfortable because uh, I don't think I was ready to but I also didn't have the community around me mm. to make me feel comfortable and supported in doing that now I do you know 
Um, and it took me some time to unlearn some internalized notions around myself or how much space I'm allowed to take up or being too much or being too little, mm. you know. And, and I think um, I had to talk it out with people that I love and have those conversations and kind of process it and get it out of my head um, and realize the way in which I'd grown up um, and, and the, the life existence, you know, that I have yeah. as like a black woman has affected um, my, my feelings around what I deserve to be able to say or do. Um, and I guess the advice that I would give is, is to seek out the help that you need. Like, like you were saying, I wish that, I wish that star did that. Yeah. You know, you never see her get therapy. You don't see her um, call Kenya and tell her, yeah. you know, what's up. Like you don't, you don't see her do any of that. And I feel like that is so important to, to, yeah, you know, un getting rid of internalized notions and, and processing like specific events within our communities relying upon community and community yeah. building i feel like when i was in high school i was so reliant upon the internet mm. <laughs> and, and the, the communities that i had on the internet because i didn't have them in real life in yeah. front of me um tumblr was such a community for that <laughs> yeah yeah it was so important at that time like so i'd say i guess yeah don't be afraid to i don't know cultivate community yeah, yeah I know it's a hard thing to do it's not really that simple it's it it takes work but I guess it's looking from your friends first and then kind of expanding out as you kind of figure it out and who's there for you because I guess when she did speak up one friend was just awful but I'm not <laughs> gonna give away spoilers um final question um what do you do when you're happy? How do you celebrate when you've got like a massive achievement? This is like a huge iconic film. I love it so Thank much. Thank you. I'm going to watch it like oh a million God. times. But um, yeah, like what do you do to celebrate? Um, I play music. Yeah. Uh, with my friends. Like literally listen to it, but also play it and like make music and stuff. Um, I don't know. I'm going to dance. <laughs> when I get home, I'm going to go to Halloween Horror Nights. Nice. Um, get a nice fright. <laughs> uh yeah i'm gonna go to the beach and drive around my car <laughs> hang yeah, out this sounds read fun. some books yeah i'm excited this is a really good vibe i'm really pleased for you but congratulations <laughs> it's been a phenomenal thank film you. and thank you so much for your time thank you appreciate it make sure you head out to the cinema to see the hate you give it is honestly phenomenal and it left me in my feelings for days Amanda does a great job and I couldn't be more pleased to have had this opportunity to sit down with her and share that experience with you. You can find her on Instagram at Amanda Sponsored. That's A-M-A-N-D-L-A-S-P-O-N-S-O-R-E-D. Be sure to share this podcast with a friend in need of some career direction. You can do this by tagging them and at Wannabe Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Also, feel free to screenshot the episode you're listening to in your Insta stories and tag at Wannabe Podcast and I'll reshare them. For detailed show notes, photos, freebies and top quotes from this episode, visit wannabepodcast.com. I'll be updating the show notes at the end of each month. Bye. In a time of disruption and fragmentation, there is opportunity to not only survive, 
but thrive. Now more than ever, it is important to understand how the U.S. is performing on the global stage. With over 600 correspondents in more than 50 countries, the Financial Times offers a unique, independent, and truly global guide to the world's new agenda. Visit ft.com today to learn more about the Financial Times. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.